Let's pray. Father, we love your word. It is life and it is truth. And we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would open our hearts to see and to believe you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. What God wants to do in you and me today is to move us from a place of fear to a place of faith. When you think about it, there are so many things in this world that make us afraid. Uh, the first day of school, right? Tomorrow. That can make us afraid. A job interview, a, a doctor's appointment, an upcoming move, just getting on a, a plane can sometimes cause tremendous amount of anxiety. Just going into a store today. We see the news and what happens in stores now. Just that can make you afraid. Going into a a public place, even the creaking of our home when we're in bed. All these are things that keep us up at night. And, And it just shows the truth that we are often very fearful people. Very fearful people. And it's for good reason. Because this world is pretty scary. But... What God wants us to do this morning is to consider how wonderful he is in the midst of all of that. And in light of the world around us, God wants us to take our eyes off of our, off of our environment and to place them where they belong, fixed on him. He wants us to look to him this morning. And it's incredible when you think about who our God is, how wonderful he is to know this about us, to know how fragile just dust. He knows this about us. He speaks words of life and words of hope and words of peace into us. Word is what we need this morning. That is the need of the hour. The people of God have to stop being ruled by fear and must. And this morning in our gospel reading, Jesus shows us the way. It's a beautiful passage, isn't it? And the passage begins here. It begins with Jesus emphasizing God's desire to give. God's desire to give. Verse 32, it says, Jesus' words, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you, to give you the kingdom. What kingdom? The kingdom of God. It's not a kingdom that can be earned. It's not, it's not... A kingdom that we can purchase. It's a kingdom that is received. It's received as a gift. And this is where it starts for us. This is where it must start. With the heart of God. If we're going to deal with the fear that consumes us, it has to start with the heart of God. The one true God. The maker and ruler of heaven and earth. It starts here. It starts with us understanding who our God is. That he's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. He's not a slave driver. No. He is a giver. That's where the story of the Bible begins. It begins with God. God needing nothing. And yet giving. God makes man. He makes Adam. And then he gives Adam a woman. His wife. Eve. And then he gives them both. A world to inhabit and to enjoy. But most importantly, he gives them himself. That's where the story begins. And what we learn in the very first pages of the Bible is that at the core of his very person, the infinite eternal God is a giver. 
But humankind's greatest weakness, our greatest weakness is that we doubt. We doubt this. We doubt that God could be truly like this. Which is why when Jesus, who is God in the flesh, describes the king and and he describes the kingdom, he goes to great lengths time and time again to assure us of the heart of God. You remember two weeks ago, if you were here, the gospel reading that day was out of Luke 11. And Jesus ends that passage by saying, if you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give to you? Giver is one of the primary ways that God chooses to disclose himself to us. And we see this just in the world that we live in. Yes, there's a lot of craziness going on. But God is all over the place disclosing to us that he is a giver. He's showing us his heart. If you would just open your eyes, you would see it. In in a beautiful beach sunrise. In a clear starry night sky. In in snow-capped mountains. In fall leaves that are piled up on the ground. In cool breezes. In all of that, God is displaying his character that he is a giver. And that he delights in giving Good gifts to his people. We know this in personal experience. He gave us bodily senses. He gave us a physical body. We're not just disembodied spirits floating around. He gave us a body with senses. And we know that he's a giver even through these senses. When we, the way you feel when you listen to your favorite music. Or when you look at a beautiful piece of art. Or when you step into a sacred place such as this. Or when you come home to the smell of that meal that you love and you take your first bite. Even then, God is communicating through our physical senses that he is pleased to give us all things to enjoy. That's just, that's just who he is. When you're with a close friend or a loved one, when you're with your, your spouse and you feel heard and you feel known and you feel accepted and you feel loved, that's a gift. It is a gift from Almighty God. James puts it this way in chapter 1. He says, God gives generously to all without finding fault. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. That is who your God is. And that is where it all begins. His gifts are all around you on full display if you have the eyes to see. And what you need to understand is the giving, the giving aspect of God which is core to who he is, that is an expression of his love. Is it not? I mean, this makes perfect sense. This is why we love birthdays. This is why we celebrate holidays and they're they're so special to us. Because one of the ways that we experience love is by giving and by receiving a gift. We're told that God so loved the world that he gave That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's important to spend time here. In the very first words of Jesus. Because that is the foundation for everything else that we'll hear Jesus say this morning. Your God in heaven is a giver. His giving is an expression of his love for you and for me. And we see this more most clearly in the gift of himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Are you following so far? Yes. Now, if we're going to move from a life of fear to a life of faith, 
We have to understand this about God. We have to believe this in our heart. It must be the foundation for you and your relationship with the Lord. But here's the problem that we run into. Instead of trusting God's giving heart and taking the posture of receiving from him where he is our source, you and I have a compulsion to grab. Instead of receiving the gift, we have a compulsion to grab. In other words, we take for our Selves. And that's the larger context of Luke chapter 12, which you dug into a little bit last week, if you were here. This is what Jesus is doing in Luke chapter 12, is he is exposing our compulsion to take for ourselves rather than to receive from God. In your passage last week, Jesus says this, one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Do not be concerned about what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For your father knows that you need these things. Instead, seek his kingdom first. What Jesus is showing us in Luke chapter 12 is that we are grabbers. He's exposing this about us. We are grabbers. And fear is what causes us to do that. This is what I, this is what I mean. We have a driving belief that, that is in us from birth that we have to take for ourselves in order to be happy. You have this thought that runs in the background that you, you'll have to deal with for the rest of your life that you must take for yourself in order to be happy. So we grab at things as we go through life. We grab at the things that we think will bring us security. So it's money. Jesus highlights money, right? And possessions, assets. Jesus says, God knows you need those things. He wants to give you those things. But instead of trusting the giver, we grab. And we go well beyond what we need. We store and we put away. You remember, that's the parable of the, of the rich fool last week. We store, we put away, we sometimes even hoard. And that's called idolatry. It's entering into a love-trust relationship with something other than God. And we're all guilty of it. But what's the payoff? What is the payoff for all of our grabbing? Is it more happiness? Is it, is it peace of mind? Is it security? Is it the absence of fear? No. None of these things can add one single hour to your life. No, it's just more fear, more anxiety, more worry. And with that comes exhaustion. And you know, that's one of the main themes of Ecclesiastes. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes is the more you have, the more you have to guard. The more you're afraid of losing, the more exhausted you will become. So what happens is when we're grabbers, when we live that way, when we live as grabbers, our energy and our affection and our attention is turned towards what we can get. It's fixed on the here and now. And and our eyes, our attention is taken off of what's really important. And that's the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? It's living under God's rule. It's following God's plan. It's seeking God's priorities and resting in his loving heart for you. And we all do this. No one's exempt. And yet, 
And yet, Jesus is inviting us today into another way of life, which is a life of receiving from him instead of grabbing. In other words, it's a life of faith rather than a life of fear. Understand what we're talking about here. When when we talk about faith, it's not faith in ourselves. Okay, that's very popular today. It's a growing message, even within Christianity, that faith is faith in yourself. Faith is empowerment. And who doesn't want to hear that? Who doesn't want to take control of their own lives? But that's not what we're talking about here. It's not faith in... Faith is not just simply adopting a different mindset, becoming more optimistic, having a better outlook on things. No, faith, this is what we mean in scripture. Biblically, faith is a decisive fundamental change in the object of our trust. It's no longer faith in me, what what I can do. It's no longer faith in things, what I can amass, what I can store up. It is Faith, it is trust in the God of the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, fear is what makes us grabbers. I must take for myself in order to be secure in this world. But faith in the giver is what enables us to overcome our fear. Listen, if more self-confidence was all that you needed, the command would be sufficient. Jesus says, do not be afraid. And you say, okay, I'll stop. Wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy? God says, don't be afraid. Okay. Listen, if, if hoping for the best was enough, then that's all that we would need to hear. Fear not. Everything's going to be okay. But it's not that easy, is it? A life of faith is not just believing better things for yourself. It's not just positive thinking. Biblically speaking, faith is attached to the giver. You know, the scriptural command to not be afraid appears in the Bible in some form over 125 times. We're told this from cover to cover over and over again. But the amazing thing is more often than not, that command is directly connected to what God has done for us in the past who he is for us today and what he's promised to do for us in the future. And you see, that's the key. This is when we really begin to understand what it means to live by faith. When we understand that God's commands are attached to his very person, to his character, what he's done for us in the past, who he is for us now, what he's promised for us in the future. That's the key. I started reading Deuteronomy a few days ago. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, you see this. It is so plain. Moses is reminding the Israelites of their history. How God delivered them from Egyptian captivity. You know this, right? You know this story. How he brought them to the edge of the promised land. He said, go and and possess the land. This is yours. I give this to you. And Moses says this in, in verse 29 and 30 of Deuteronomy 1. He says, do not be in dread or be afraid. For the Lord your God goes before you right now. And he will fight for you in the future. Just as he did for you in Egypt in the past. Our faith is attached to an object. It's attached to a person. It's attached to this giving and loving God. 
that we worship this morning. And you know, Luke 12 is no different. That is exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus says, do not be afraid. And it's not a call just to suck it up. Just to be a little bit tougher. And in response, we go, why not? Why shouldn't I be afraid? And Jesus says, because you have a father who is in heaven and you are his son and you are his daughter and you are precious to him. And he knows that you lack. And he speaks into that need and he says, I will clothe you. I will feed you. I will give you what you require. He says, you're my little lamb. That's how he addresses us this morning. We're his little flock. And what he's saying there is, I am your shepherd. You're my lamb. I am your shepherd. I will care for you and I will protect you and I will guide your life. So look to me because I am your security. Not the bank account. Not the house that you want. Not the car that you drive. Not the furniture that you'd like to upgrade to. Not the clothing in your closet. Not the job title. That you hold or desire to hold. Jesus is our security. It's interesting in Hebrews 11 in the epistle reading this morning. Jacob is mentioned. It's just in passing. The author mentions Abraham and and talks a great deal about him. And he mentions Isaac. But he also mentions Jacob. And it's interesting because you know what the name Jacob means, right? Heel grabber. Heel grabber, which which most people think means deceiver. And that name described him well because he went through life deceitfully grabbing at what he thought would bring him security. So he took his brother's birthright and he stole his father's blessing. And with shrewd business deals, he built up his livestock, which was the currency of the day. And this was the pattern of his life. This is how he lived, tricking people and burning bridges to get what he wanted. But all the time looking over his shoulder because his father-in-law was after him and his brother was after him. He was successful in this trickery. And yet it didn't bring him peace, just more and more fear. But Jacob's life changed dramatically one day. And it was when he finally realized that what he needed most was not to grab onto things, not to grab onto more possessions, but to grab a hold of God himself. And we see that in Genesis 32, the account of Jacob wrestling with God. Even if you haven't read that story, you're familiar with the description, right? Jacob wrestling with God. And at the end of this wrestling event, Jacob's name changes. God changes his name and it goes from Jacob, which essentially means I must contend for myself. I've got to do it all myself. I have to take what I want. It goes from his name goes from being Jacob. I must contend for myself to Israel, which means God contends. God contends for me. You see the shift. It's so helpful for us. That's the shift that has to take place in every one of us. The point is this. Life in God's kingdom looks different. It's lived differently. 
than life in the kingdom of the world. Yes, we live here. We have to live in this world. And we have to have clothing and shelter and food and all of that. But we live differently. And life in the kingdom of God is so much better. Which is why Jesus can say to you and me this morning in verses 33 and 34, sell your possessions. Give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure that is in heaven, stored safely for you there, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The good news that we celebrate this morning is that Jesus has died for you to bring you into God's kingdom. He is risen and is right now at the Father's side praying for you that you might have what you need to live for him. Christ has promised you, I'm always with you to the very end. He is presently preparing a place for you in heaven. And he says, I will one day soon, perhaps very, very soon, Take you to be with me for all of eternity. You see, this is our hope. And it changes everything about how we live. Our faith isn't blind. It's attached to a person. One who is all powerful. One who does not lack in any way. One who wants to generously give his children what they need. One who has shown himself faithful to us in the past. Who is with us and cares for us today and who has made very great and precious promises to us for tomorrow. Life in God's kingdom gives you and me a a totally different perspective and should give us a completely different orientation to life. It means I'm not the master anymore. He is. And this has really practical implications for you. Because when you can say, I trust my God who gives, that means you don't have to grab. You don't have to go through life grabbing and hoarding anymore. When you can say, I trust my God who gives, it means that you can release your grip on things that fill up your hands and prevent you from receiving what God wants to give you. And it also means that you don't have to be afraid anymore. Life is scary. But you don't have to worry about every little thing and obsess over your life. Because Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Fear has such a hold on so many of us. Such a hold. Um, It's probably uh, true that at least some of you in this room had a upbringing like I did. You grew up in a volatile home like I did. I had a a physically intimidating, sometimes abusive father. Uh, Life was chaotic at home. My older sister was a drug addict. She was in and out of drug rehab. She was in and out of jail. And our house was full of yelling. And it was full of smashing things. And it was full of theft. And it was full of violence. And from a very early age, I can remember... developing this core belief. And my core belief was this. I am not safe. I'm not safe. And that is how I lived my life. And when I grew into adulthood, that is how I lived my life. With this core belief playing in the background, influencing everything that I did, influencing every decision that I made. And that might be you today. 
But hear me. And hear what Jesus is saying to you. You're invited into a different way of living today. With Jesus as your master. With Jesus as your treasure. With Jesus as your provider. With Jesus as your protector. With Jesus as your source. And that means his work and his priorities in the world are now yours. And that means that your eye, your eyes are no longer set solely on the here and now. And what you can grab. Instead, you have eternity now in your mind and in your heart and it shapes the way you live. And your life's trajectory is very, very different. See, that's the imagery, I think, that Jesus is drawing out in verses 35 through 40 when he, when he talks about the master and the slave. He says this, be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and he will have them sit down to eat and he will come and he will serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and he finds them so blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. And then our passage this morning ends this way. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. You know, it's so important for us to understand that our grabbing ways have not just made our lives less enjoyable, more difficult. Our grabbing has earned us the anger and judgment of Almighty God because we have rejected the giver in the process. Instead of seeing God as our security and looking to him to meet our needs and trusting him and loving him and living for him, we've acted as though we can live without him. Which is what our collect, our opening collect, drew our attention to. We've believed the lie of the enemy who has told us God doesn't love you. He's not looking out for you. He's withholding something from you. We've believed that if we are to have life and happiness and and things are going to go okay, if that's going to happen for us, then we have to reach out and we have to take it for ourselves. And we can't just claim that it isn't our fault because somebody else did this to us, because of the home life that we had, because of a bad marriage. We can't blame other people for this. It's our doing. It's our hearts. Each of us have broken God's commandments. We haven't treasured God above everything else. We've trampled on his name in many respects, living as though he's a liar. When he gives us these promises and we say, they're not true, they're not for me. And we go our own way. We've essentially stolen, forcefully taking for ourselves what we want in this world. We've coveted what other people have. We've done these things. And in the process, what's happened is we've fallen asleep. Fallen asleep to life as it was created to be. Life in the kingdom of God. And that is an affront to the giver. To this giving God. That we gather for and to hear. But the good news is this. We're people of good news. Thanks be to God. 
The good news is that Jesus Christ is our substitute. This, this one who is speaking to us this morning is our substitute. The life that we needed to live, a perfect life of trust to the Father, Jesus lived for us. The life that we deserved, or excuse me, the death that we deserved to die that was reserved for us, Jesus took upon himself. He was treated as the lawbreaker instead of us. And it is by his life and his death and his resurrection that he has made the way for us to enter God's kingdom. And he assures you this morning that it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a free gift. It's received by faith. Is it yours? Is it yours this morning? Paul says this in Galatians 2.20, and this is how we close. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, not fear. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Can you say that along with Paul this morning? God is moving us from a place and from a life of fear to a life of faith, to which we say, Amen. I want to pray for you for a moment. I want to pray for myself too. And Lord, we come before you and we hear your word that says, Do not be afraid. And it sounds so good, but it's so difficult. So, Lord, we ask that you are yoke anymore. Father, we ask for you to break the stronghold of fear in our lives. And we hear your words, Jesus, where you say it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And we thank you, Jesus, by your work, by who you are and what you've done for us, that you have opened the kingdom for us. We receive the gift of the kingdom this morning. We ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might live by faith. As Paul says, Father, that we might live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and gave himself for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.